0: morning and sing I would like to uh, grab your hymn notes and turn with me in three to one 321 let us sing it is well with my soul and I would like you to ask to stand up with me and let us sing this wonderful song it is well with my soul this is what I want to do this morning we will all sing the first stanza and then when we reach third stanza the girls the ladies will sing only the third stanza and then the fourth the first the fourth verse is the man. So, uh, but in the chorus we'll all together sing. The first verse, all together now, sing. When peace like a river attended my way, when sorrows like sea What?
1: into Makes impossible seems possible when there's no other way. He makes the and thing what us know it's why we can say God can do anything with anything, He can hear. anywhere. God can do anything. He's the fairest of ten thousand. My soon coming king. Jehovah, Messiah. The reason why I say He's the Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. My savior and redeemer, He's my closest friend. God can do. Anyone, anywhere, God can do anything. God can do anything with anything. He can heal any hurt, any suffering, every cross, every care, every birth. anywhere God can do anything for anyone anywhere. I don't understand Why God would let me face This painful circumstance All I have to cling to Is His word and His name But that's enough So I will
2: trust
1: It's for my good and for His glory God alone can see Sorry.
3: Scott's going to preach now. Dale lives in Ludlow Falls near the Indiana border. We go over and we're with him every spring. Got a good church. He works near Beaver Creek, or I think he's changed. But uh, we're glad to have you here, Dale. Thankful to be here and I look forward to it. Brother Gossett said this was the best thing he does for himself every year coming here and I completely identify with that uh, or uh, recharge the batteries to just kind of uh, renew a little bit and, and, and get, uh, we're not very deep into the year and get a, a good start on the year and Brother Guiler, I believe in the God that is working here in Marietta. I believe in the work that he's doing here, and I'm thankful for the servants that he has here. We pray for Marietta Bible College, often at the church, on prayer meeting night. We, uh, uh, you're a frequent subject of our uh, prayer meeting discussions and prayers, and uh, we, we believe that God is doing a great and miraculous thing here in this college, training souls to go out to win souls. We, we believe that we believe in prayer at the church we don't uh, we haven't listed everything but some of you know it's our practice to um, start off the prayer meeting with what's the Lord been doing blessings, counting our blessings and uh, we're not a very big church but we've we've recorded over 2,800 things that God has answered prayer in our prayer, prayer meetings about God's still answering prayers all the time, every week we find that out yep, He answered that one people come in and say, well, I had that unspoken request here a few weeks ago, and I just want you to know God answered it completely. What a God that can hear that, do that. We're going to be in John chapter 7. Anybody thirsty today? They've loaded me up with water here. I like that. I've already swigged from it a few times. In John chapter 7, Jesus has sent His disciples to the Feast of the Tabernacle up to Jerusalem. He said He wasn't ready to go up yet. And uh, they no more got out of sight, and then He went up, and the Bible says He went up in secret. And He goes there, and He was in a secret for a while, but He goes to the temple, and um, the Bible says He preaches openly in the temple. And his words are so powerful and the, and, and, the, and the men are questioning how can this man who hasn't learned anything, how can he be quoting from the Scriptures and preaching so um, with such authority from the Scriptures? That was one confusing thing that they, that ran across their mind. Another one was is that the reason he went up with secret, in secret was because everybody in Israel knew There was a death warrant out that he was in danger as man looks at things when he went up to Jerusalem. And they hear him standing in the temple preaching and the religious rulers are hearing him and they're a little confused that how does this man preach so boldly? And the Pharisees and the religious leaders don't take, him. and they begin to question: Do they all, do they know that he's the Christ? Is it they're not taking him because they know he's the Christ? They're confused by that as well. But another confusing thing—that's what we want to read about today. Before we do, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to go over some things about. Uh, about water. You have to have water to live. You figured that out a long time ago. Two-thirds of your body is water. You take all the cells and the way they're put together, really it's just some protein clinging to, to water. But what it is. Two-thirds of your body is water. In a 70-year life, you'll, you will have processed 1.5 million gallons of water in a 70-year lifespan. That's a lot of water. The wonder we're wore out. If you lost 2% of that water, you would lose 20% of your strength. If you lost 10% of that water, you would lose the use of your legs. You couldn't walk. If you lost 20% of that water, you'd be dead. It is life-threatening Not to have water for more than three days. I'm saying you'll die, but it is life-threatening. Many people die without water for three days. Water is pretty important. When the Lord Jesus Christ gives examples of eternal life, examples of His Spirit, examples of His Word, He points to water. Those things are important also. spiritually. those are the most important. And he uses water to point to. Jesus starts his life out, his ministry out, on a 40-day fast. A 40-day fast. So he starts his life out hungry. And his life ends, the cross, he takes it up again. His life ends thirsty. Showing us that when the Lord Jesus Christ came down here, he didn't live some kind of a Facade or some kind of fake life or some kind of, uh, of life where he wasn't really a man. He was every bit man. Every bit God. When the Bible talks that he suffered pain, it was pain like you know pain. I'll say it was greater pain than most men have ever experienced, maybe any man has experienced. When he suffered thirst and hunger, It was the same kind of thirst, the same kind of hunger that we suffer. After 40 days in the wilderness, after being tempted of Satan, the Bible says angels come and and attend to Him. Hunger. He knows the feelings of our infirmities. He knows the things that we go through. He knows our sorrows. He knows our troubles. He knows our cares. He even knows about temptation, yet without sin. And so when He points to things like water in His Word, He's the one that thought up water and spoke it into existence. Out of nothing, out of nothing, He made water. In John chapter 7 and in verse 37... It says in the last days that great day of the feast now they have sent men out the religious leaders after he's preached in the temple and all of that during the midst of this feast now they're at the eighth day of the feast the last day of the feast they have sent officers out to arrest Jesus and here they are at the eighth day of the feast in that feast of the tabernacle on the first day of the feast, they offer 13 sacrifices. On the second day, 12, and then 11, 10. And on the seventh day, seven sacrifices. Those sacrifices, according to the Bible and according to uh, the tradition that they hold, uh, were for the nation of Israel and for the 70 known nations. On the eighth day, which would You followed the sequence, followed the order. They would they would offer six sacrifices. They don't do that. The Bible instructed them on the eighth day they were to offer one sacrifice, and it would be for the nation of Israel. Eighth day. It says in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, and this isn't in our Old Testament. They weren't instructed to do this. This is something that they have twisted from Isaiah chapter 12. We'll read that here in a little bit. But they had incorporated something into that feast that on the last day, the priest will go down to the pool of Siloam and get a bowl of water. And they would make a very big deal out of this. They'd make it be a parade and that high priest would go down and, and the water uh, for the Pool of Siloam was, was believed to have come out of the Temple Mount, out of uh, Mount Zion and flowed into that. And they considered it to be pure water and holy water. And they'd take that up there and with all the pomp and circumstances uh, that were going on there in that eighth day, they would add to this thing of going down and getting this bowl of water. High priest would come up through there carrying this water. As they would, as he was coming up through there, according to their tradition, they would sing at the congregation Psalms 113, Psalms 114, Psalms 115, 16, 17, and 18. How many of you know those chapters and could sing those from the off of your memory? And they would sing these and these would be a praise to God and they incorporated that into carrying this water. This water they believed symbolized that when they were in the, in the uh, wilderness uh, and, and the Feast of Tabernacle was, a, was about their wandering in the wilderness and their victory there and they believed that that water symbolized, of uh, for one thing, symbolized the rock or rocks in which they got water. And they would bring that water and they would come and they wouldn't wash anything with that water. They wouldn't drink that water. They would just pour that water out onto the ground as a sacrifice, as an offering. The last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. As the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers, plural, rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said, of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ, the Messiah. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the Scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Let's pray. Father God, I pray today that as we look at this subject of spiritual thirst, God, You've given us Your Spirit so that that thirst might be quenched. You've given us your Spirit in measure that will never be taken away. That Spirit is always available. Your Spirit. He is there to teach, instruct, convict, convince, and to satisfy. God, I pray today that you'd meet with us Pray that you'd wash us with the wonderful water of your word. Pray that you cleanse us. Pray that you'd fill me. Pray, Father, that you'd help me to preach your word, preach the truth. Say something that would help. Say something that would make a difference. Say something that might be remembered years from now. That your Holy Spirit quenches a thirst. God, I pray and ask for your power. I pray that you'd meet with us here today. Pray for your blessing. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. What are you thirsty for? There are many thirsts. There are many hungers. What are you thirsty for? If you thirst for riches, you'll never be satisfied. If you thirst for honors, you'll always be disappointed. If you search... If you thirst for pleasures the pleasures of life you walk away empty unfulfilled it's been said the thirst of desire is never filled nor fully satisfied and a, a drunk may not admit it but he lives that he lives that thing out every day a drug addict lives that thing out every day uh, a man uh, addicted to sexual sins, is living that thing out of, out every day. He's never satisfied, never f- never filled, never satisfied. He just wants more of you, more control. And consumes more of you. What do you thirst for? What do you thirst for? You thirst for something. We're just made that way. You thirst for something. The lord wants you to thirst for him the lord wants you to have a thirst for him like a like a man that has been without water for those three days and when you've been out water without water for days the only thing you can think about is water probably the greatest living bible illustration you will ever have is to go without water for and then withhold yourself from that water for a few minutes. And if we could have the thirst for God and thirst for His Spirit and thirst for His Word and thirst for His presence, the fellowship of His presence, the way of man dying of thirst, with thirst for water, then all these other thirsts would disappear. Oh, you would they crop up. But our relationship with the Lord would sustain us. I like that he says that rivers of living water can come out. When you got saved. The Holy Spirit came in you before you were saved, you were dead spiritually. And when you got saved, not only did your spirit that got quicken your spirit and make you alive and make me alive, but he did an even greater thing. He put his spirit in us. And the Bible says here that Jesus teaches about this thing and speaks of the Spirit and is teaching Him these things because the Spirit had not yet come into them. Jesus had not yet died. Jesus had not yet ascended to the Father. Jesus had not yet returned. Jesus had not yet gone away. Fifty days later, and the Holy Spirit be poured out. And more than poured out, men received the Spirit of Christ into their heart. They weren't like they were going to be. You are today like Jesus preached. You have the Spirit of God in you. When we have the Spirit of God in us, means that we have these rivers of living water within us. You say, that must be why preachers have big bellies. they got liver, glitter No, that's not it. The reason I've got a big belly is because I'm not repented of my gluttony yet. That's why I've got a big belly. Rivers of living water. <laughs> It'd be like a man walking through the desert, starved to death with a jug of water in his pocket, thirsting, starving, and a jug of water in his pocket. Wow, I wish I had water. I wish I had water. I wish I had water. I'm getting tired of carrying that water. Wish I had water, Wish I had water. And we've got the Holy Spirit of God within us. we got all the water we'll ever need. Not for a lifetime, but for eternity. It's living water, eternal water. Isn't that what He told the woman at the well? We have eternal life. We have an eternal spirit, an eternal soul. One of these days we're going to get a glorified body to go along with it. He's given His Spirit to fill us. Satisfy us. Satisfy the thirst. I like that he talks about water because it's not something, although he's given us all we need, we need some every day. That's why you use water. You need, need, I need a little bit of the Lord every day. Well, a lot of the Lord every day. We need a good drink every day. He said, I don't know why the Lord... I've read that Bible. I don't know why I have to read it again. Because it's reading you. And it's changing you. And it's sharpening you. And it's washing you. And we need it. And we need it to refresh. We need it to cleanse, clean things out. You know that's part of what water does to a person? Cleans them out. It's one of the things the Lord uses to get rid of bad things. There's bad water and there's good water. You drink bad water, bad things will happen. And bad water can't make itself better. But the Lord Jesus Christ gives us pure water. Healing water. This thing talks about rivers of water Rivers of water flowing out from us. And it reminds you of Ezekiel 47 or Revelation chapter 22 and how the river will throw out from the throne of God, and on either side, the river, the tree of life. And the Bible says there in the, in the millennial uh, reign that the water will flow from the throne of God and it'll go down from the east side of the temple and it'll go down into the streams and it'll go down into the Dead Sea and the Dead Sea won't be dead anymore. And it won't be bitter anymore, it says. And there'll be fish jumping all over, there'll be catching fish every place in the Dead Sea. Hey, read it, Ezekiel 47. Bad water can't make itself so better pure water can heal and cleanse and restore renew we need the pure water of god's word we have the pure holy spirit within us you ever wonder why he was called holy because he is holy the holy ghost within us we've got something pure and clean and right and holy and just within us in a wicked and vile ugly world we've got the pure Holy Spirit of the living God within us the Lord promises it as they carried out their tradition of bringing that water up and this would be the very end of the Feast of the Tabernacles. It's the eighth day and people have already packed their things. They're going back home. They've made their pilgrimage here to the Feast of the Tabernacles. And and, uh, this last ceremony, this pouring out of the water, tradition tells us, this last pouring out of the water ends the formal ceremony. And from that point, they're going to say their goodbyes and make their way home. some point whether this is with those priests there with an empty bowl poured out and people just staring Jesus reveals himself again the water is poured out and it is as if he is saying i am that rock that was in the wilderness if any man thirst They couldn't have missed the symbol. They couldn't have missed the power of the thing. It's written of that ceremony, the pouring out of the water was after this manner, a golden pot which held three logs, was tilled out of Silo. And when, they came, and when they came to the water gate, they blew their trumpets and shouted and blew. Then a priest went up by the ascent of the altar and turned to the left hand where were two silver basins that went on the west side was filled with water and that on the east with wine. He poured the basin of water into that wine and that of wine into the water into that of the water. And they take this from Isaiah 12 and verse 3 where it says, Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. But Jesus is saying to them, although He has given them a ceremony, the Feast of Tabernacles. Salvation is not in a ceremony. Salvation is not in a religion. Salvation is not in a tradition. Salvation is in me, Christ Jesus. If you thirst, come to me. You're getting ready to go home with the same spiritual thirst you had when you came. But if you'll come to me, I'll give you rivers of living water. You'll never be the same. You'll be changed forever. That's the promise he made earlier in John chapter 4. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. (laughs) That's something. When He told that to the woman, well, she missed the whole thing the way we, we miss way, way we miss what the Lord's saying. But you're in good company, the disciples missed it most of the time too. Didn't Jesus say to His disciples over and over again, I'm going to go up to Jerusalem and I'm going to be rejected and they're going to crucify Me and on the third day I will rise again. Didn't He say that over and over again? To who? His disciples even said it to the religious leaders. I think they're the only one that got it. They said show us a sign. And he said, well I'll only give you one sign. The sign of Jonas. Jonas was three days in the belly of the well. So shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the center of the earth. The disciples heard that too. He gave every indication he was going to die and rise again the third day. Where do we find the disciples? Cowering in an upper room wondering what just happened. Where went their Lord? what we're going to do now and there could be after us next and what should they've been doing count the days We're one day closer Christ is coming back he's always did what he said he would do and he promised he'd be back in three days day two oh, tomorrow tomorrow hey it's the day let's go down to the grave Jesus got to be out of that thing by now but they were cowering didn't hear a thing natural mind wouldn't let him receive the spiritual truth what did his enemies do well, we got to be careful here we better go back down there to Pilate, and we better get a guard and put on that thing because he said he was coming out of that thing the third day if he comes out of that thing or they take his body and it comes up missing we the last error will be greater than the first <laughs> And they said that right. It was an error to put Christ to death. That's, what his, that's how his enemies responded. But the people closest to him, to him missed that thing altogether. You say, what does that have to do with this? The woman at the well missed it altogether. It just went right over her head. And she said, oh yeah, I would like to have living water. I'm getting tired of carrying this water. Yes, if I could have water, and it would never run out. And it just she missed the whole thing of eternal life. But she got it later. She figured it out later. And we miss it. You say, well, I don't miss it. I know I have the Holy Spirit. Then why do we forget about Him? Why do we forget He's there? Why do we go weeks on end and pretend we don't even know He is? He's right there with us. Taking residence in us. Living in us. He's there. and He'll always be there. The natural mind can't accept these things. The natural says that you must be conceived of a man and a woman, yet he was conceived of the Holy Ghost. The natural says that your birth will bring your family joy, yet when He came in, He brought joy to the world in heaven. The natural says that He was delivered by His mother, yet His mother proclaimed that He, that he would deliver her. The natural says that you can get a drink of water, but you will thirst again. He, uh, uh, um, Yet he told the woman at the well, if you drink of the water that I give you, you will never thirst again. The natural says that in this world you will have struggles, temptations, and unrest. Yet he says that in me you will find righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The natural says that if you sin, you will pay the price. Yet he came to pay the price for our sins. The natural says that if you beat a man, crucify him on a cross, and bury him in a grave, he is dead. Yet he said he would be beaten, crucified, and buried, but in three days I will rise again. The natural says every man for himself, yet Christ said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you can be there also. Don't let the natural man win out. be sensitive to every thirst, every tug, every draw of the Holy Spirit. The things that I am most pleased about in life are the things that happen because I took time to listen to what the Holy Spirit was saying, especially when it didn't make sense. Go witness to that man. Lord, not that man. I know that man. Now go. Lord, there's got to be a better time than this. Now, now's the time. And you go. And you plant the seed. Or you water the seed. Or praise the Lord, a man gets saved at 90 years old. Or a woman at 84. Or a teen on a bike. You get saved. Because you just listen to what the Holy Spirit said. I believe this. I believe that Verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 3 explains how you get gold, silver, and precious stone at the judgment seat of Christ. I believe the inference there is if you don't want wood, hay, and stubble at the judgment seat of Christ, if you don't want to see that thing go up like a rubber tire burning in the daylight, you follow the Holy Spirit. You read that next verse after it says, and you'll be saved yet so as by fire talks about the holy spirit. And I believe when we follow the holy spirit, that's when the works are done that are gold, silver and precious stone, cuz they don't have a thing to you do with you. It wasn't your idea. God put you up to it. You obeyed. You listened. You followed him. And when you did, <laughs> rivers of living water, rivers of water are poured out. Matthew chapter 5 And in verse 6 says this, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. They shall be filled. You're going to be filled with something. You're going to try to fill yourself with something. You'll have an appetite for something. You'll have a thirst for something. You will acquire a taste for something. Will you acquire a taste for the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you acquire a taste for Him? Paul Harvey, uh, some of you don't even really know who Paul Harvey is probably, but many of you do know Paul Harvey. He's dead now, but he used to tell stories. He said he checked out. He had to have three confirmed independent sources for every story he told to make sure it was true. He told about how they would, how they killed wolves in Alaska. The Eskimos would take a knife and they would take some blood of an animal and they'd dip that knife in the blood and take it outside and it wasn't hard to freeze in Alaska and it would freeze that blood. And they would come in and they would they would dip that blood and freeze some more and build that blood up and freeze some more. And they would take that out and it would be a blood popsicle. And they would bury that, the edge of that knife in the ground and the wolf would come along and it would lick that blood and it would, like, it, it has a taste for it. And it would lick it some more and it would lick it and it would lick it down until the blade was shiny. And it would continue to lick it because it had a taste for this blood. And that knife would be razor sharp. So sharp that that wolf didn't know that as he licked that that knife, he was actually now licking his own blood. And they would find that wolf dead beside that knife, having bled to death, drinking its own blood. You say, what a a terrible story to tell. Yes, it is. And it's just like you and me when we get on sin, and we get a taste for sin. I hate to tell you this right now, but if the statistics are even remotely true, there's men in this church that are hooked on pornography. I'm not talking about they've seen it a time or two, that there's it's got them under control. You say, not in a Bible college. Licking their own blood until they bleed to death. You can do it with the bottle, you can do it with the pill, you can do it with a syringe, you can do it with pride. You can lick yourself, lick the blood right out of you with any kind of sin once you get a good taste for it. And the Lord says, If you're thirsty, come to me. If you're thirsty, come to me. Revelation 22 and verse 17 it says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will let him take of the water of life freely. The Holy Spirit desires a man to come, says it here. The Spirit says, Come. The church of the living God says, come to the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, the bright says, come. And our soul's desire says, come. Our thirst points to the fact that we need to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it a generous offer? had the Lord made a generous offer when he says, just come to me and I'll give you the Holy Spirit of God and you'll have him forever and your thirst can be satisfied not once, but every day. Isn't that a generous offer? Who would ever turn down such an offer? Yet men die in their sin daily without God. What do you thirst for? Riches, honors, pleasures of this life? They never fill you. They'll never satisfy you you have a spiritual thirst? The Lord promises to give His Holy Spirit to everyone that believes. Do you believe that? Do you recognize the Holy Spirit of God at work in your life? Do you listen to Him? Smartest thing you'll ever do. I can't imagine in a prayer conference like this with preaching and praying and singing and fellowship that the Lord isn't speaking to you about something. I can't imagine there's somebody in here that that there isn't somebody in here isn't hurting that just needs a good drink of this pure water. I can't believe there isn't somebody in here that this week just hadn't a good taste for the pure and living water of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's available. It's available. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for this living water. We thank You for the generosity of this offer. And yet we know it more than generosity. You offered this water because You offered Your life. Your Son went to the cross for us. Paid the price. It's a generous offer, but it's worth more than the worth of the universe. Pray, Father, that when one of these young men or one of these young ladies are in Papua New Guinea and they think they're on the back side of the wilderness, you'll give them a good quench of their thirst with your Holy Spirit. Lord, you met with Moses on the backside of the wilderness. You met with Paul on the streets of Damascus. Lord, Paul and Silas got a good drink from the well in the prison at midnight in Philippi. The Ethiopian eunuch got a good drink there on the chariot. Father John, in exile, got a good drink on the Isle of Patmos. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You're a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. When we need you the most, you're the most satisfying. We thank you for this. I pray your blessing for my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: Amen, what a blessing. Amen. hear that message well. Um, We'll go on our second speaker. But before he comes, uh, we'll have another song, Brother RJ. And then we'll have our special by Sister Chloe. And then Pastor Bill Jones will come and preach to us. Let us all stand once again and let us sing 288 288, I Know Whom I Have Believe. He will sing the first, the second, and the last stanza of I Know Whom I Have Believe. first verse all together i sing I know that why God's wondrous grace to me he has been known nor I am worthy Christ in love to him me he and his own Persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that name. Second verse I know not how this saving faith to me. But I know who I believe in, and I'm persuaded. we
4: Life lets you down and you feel more broken than whole and no you're more broke and you can't tell a soul. the master he wants to share the burdens you bear whisper you are in His sight. If it matters to you, it matters to the Master. He wants to share To you. It doesn't only matter to you
0: time for our second speaker. He um, spoke last night and what a great blessing we hear him preach. And this morning again, we're looking forward for his message. We may I call Pastor Bill Jones to preach for us this morning. Uh,
5: Jumped up and said, What's wrong with you? Can't you play ball? They hit another one right between his legs. I mean, son, he hit about a dozen balls to that boy and he never even touched one of them. And that coach every time would come out and scream and holler. And finally, the coach just got so fed up, he said, Come in here. He said, son, he looked over to the little boy, you've messed things up so bad out here, nobody can catch a ball. <laughs> Brother Brooks, I'm glad I got to preach in front of you this morning. I <laughs> uh, hope I don't mess it up so bad you can't do anything. Brother Dale, that was a wonderful message. You need a Bible college and teach young preachers somewhere, I don't know. Jackson said, back before him and his wife was married, they was going to church one night. He was walking to a revival meeting. He was going to preach. And he said to his girlfriend at that time, that later became his wife, said, "You know, you're going to marry me one of these days." She said, "I'll never marry you." He said, "Well, why? I'll never marry a doctor or, or a preacher." So they went to church. Brother May said, never preached before. He said he was up one aisle down the other. He was preaching, sweating, crying and leaping and, and just going, just really having a time of his life. preached a tremendous message. That night when he was walking back home, he said to, said to him, she said, you know, I am liable to marry you. He said, I thought you said you'd never marry a doctor or a preacher. She said, aw shucks, you didn't preach enough to hurt nothing.
2: <laughs> Me and my wife was
5: married. And I was getting ready. Wait a minute. I believe a man
2: needs to have a little money for
5: How much? She said, well, you need to have enough to buy, get an apartment, pay utilities. Gotta get a job and get work a little bit. And I've got me a job. And I, I work. called me. She said, How's it going? I said, Saving up any money? I said, Yeah. She said, How much you got? I said, $29. She said, That's close enough. Let's get married. Uh,
2: was down at the store one
5: i'd been trading i bought a little chickens and a pot belly pig came in and bought some stuff and she started out the door and i said i walk you she says, "No." I said, "Why?" She said, "You love to try to kiss me on the way home." I said, "How in the world could I kiss you?" I said, "I got this wash tub and these little chickens and this pot-bellied pig. How in the world could I kiss you?" She says, "Well, you can put them chickens down, put that wash tub over, and I'll hold the little pig." Oh, some may sing to pass the weary night alone. Some may sing to entertain
3: some old
5: worldly throne. I sing because I worship God in song. It's in my heart. It's in my heart. joy delight should he come without dying no sickness no dread no fear and no crying caught up in the clouds if my Lord up in glory when Jesus receives his own Jesus, how long, how long till he shout that glad song? Christ returneth, hallelujah, hallelujah, amen, hallelujah, amen. It's a joy to be here with you. Let's look to the Lord. Father, help us now. We're just trusting in you. We're relying upon you. Leaning upon you, whatever's done, you'll look in Jesus' name. Romans chapter 15 this morning, if you'll turn there. Chapter 15, want to read three-four verses of Scripture there. Talk a little bit about wholehearted prayer. Wholehearted prayer. Romans 15, and let's begin reading verse 30. Romans 15, 30. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me your prayers to God for me. Strive together with me that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted by saints, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God, and may with you be fresh. Now the God of peace be with (coughs) you. Amen. Paul said, Strive! together with me in your prayers. Does prayer make any difference at all? I believe it does. Several people were interviewed concerning prayer and the results went something like this. Is prayer important to you? Yes. Well, how often do you pray every day? How long do you pray? Oh, about five minutes. Do you find prayer satisfying? Not really. Do you sense the presence of God when you pray?
2: Occasionally, but not always.
5: Some of them saw prayer more of a burden blessing. Pleasure. Philip Yancey wrote a book and he said, I've heard many people pray church. Most of the time what I heard was I heard people telling God what to do combined with hints on how other people ought to behave when I would listen to the prayers in some of the more liberal churches, he said, I heard calls to action as if prayer was something that you just had to get past in a hurry so you could get down to the real work of God's kingdom. A very famous author one time wrote a book How to be a Christian. 702 pages long. He never mentioned prayer.
2: Somebody said to him, Why didn't you mention prayer in your book? He said,
5: I I just simply forgot. I heard somebody say it here, I can't remember who in my other Bible. But somebody here said, we can do a lot of things after we pray. We can't do anything until we pray. But Jesus, got me, you can do nothing. In Acts chapter 12, and I don't want you to turn there, but you know the passage. Peter's in prison. And they're pretty much helpless to do anything about the situation except to pray and that's what the church was doing. Prayed and put in prison. It comes down to all you can do is pray, you're helpless. I believe we're never more powerful when we're on our knees
2: in prayer.